Welcome to The Burn, Beyond Firestop. I'm your host, John Zalepka. Our show is focused on life safety and code compliance in the built environment, which puts me on a mission to find the most interesting people in this space and get their unique perspectives. Our hope is that our listening audience walks away with a better understanding of how our guest contributes to the promotion of life safety of whatever is being built. Now, our show, as always, is brought to you by Specified Technologies, or better known as STI Firestop. And since 1990, STI has been a leading global provider of innovative fire protective solutions that help stop the spread of fire, smoke, and hot gases. And our guest today is also known for a thing or two about life safety. I mean, he actually trademarked himself the life safety guy. He's the Director of Facilities Management at Baylor St. Luke's Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Ruben Garcia. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure, Ruben. We've known each other for a little while now. And, you know, I always like to start on a personal note rather than jumping into the whole business of things. And, you know, I must say, Ruben, that you've done a fine job of not getting too personal on LinkedIn. So I I had to dig a little. This one was a little bit of a struggle for me. So I got a little bit creative. I scattered out your interests. And I don't even know if uh, you're aware, but you follow three influencers on LinkedIn, Damon John, Tim Tebow, Adam Grant, and Simon Sinek. Uh, I think all of these four gentlemen are dynamite. And tell me, what is it about these guys as a group or maybe individually that inspired you to follow them? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, most of these folks, uh, I probably saw something that, to be honest, there's nothing really uh, profound about the, the following. I probably just ran across LinkedIn and might have even hit a uh, follow on accident. But uh, most of these gentlemen, like uh, you just mentioned, uh, was it John? Uh, or uh, Draymond? Damon Dion, yeah. D- Damon, okay, that's uh, from the shark. Uh, so to be quite honest, uh, I don't know why I followed them. Uh, they probably have some kind of influence in general. These are positive uh, folks, influential folks, and I saw something that I liked and probably hit the follow, but probably not following them as close as uh, you might think. Yeah, well, I mean, they're out there. I love the stuff that a lot of the messaging that Tim Tebow and Simon Sinek especially have out there. And, uh, you know, so let's stay personal then, shall we? I mean, let, let's go to where you grew up. I mean, I think you're from the Houston area. Is that right? Is that where you grew up as well? Yeah, yeah. I grew up uh, born and raised in the uh, north side of Houston, Texas. Uh, you know, grew up in an in a at-risk neighborhood, you know, and was able to, uh, you know, learn a lot of great things growing up in the neighborhood. Uh, what, what some folks call uh, emotional intelligence I would say it's uh, called street smarts. And so uh, that's been valuable in my career because it allows me to have that high EQ into how to read situation, read folks, and how to maneuver in those, uh, you know, pressure situations. Sure. Is it, did you know what you wanted to be growing up? Or are you doing it now? Or No, uh, no. There... Yeah, I kind of, the way I stumbled into life safety is, uh, you know, got a job out of high school and was working in uh, uh, pulling cable. And uh, ultimately got a job uh, with Simplex Grinnell, which is now Johnson Control. So I started off in the fire alarm industry, in the low voltage side of it, specifically fire alarm. And uh, got into the fire alarm industry, started working my way up, got licensed, started learning code, and developed a real good interest into it. So much so that I ended up uh, starting my own fire alarm business. So uh, started my own fire alarm business when I got to uh, Texas Children's Hospital. That's where my healthcare facilities career and, and, li- and really the whole gamut of life safety I was introduced to it at that time so I got over to Texas Children's and uh, they're the largest pediatric hospital in the world and so because of that they were afforded the opportunity to have a dedicated life safety program and that's where I came in I came in as the uh, maintenance technician to maintain the fire alarm system specifically and they were like hey you're going to be part of this group called the BNP group 
which stands for Building Maintenance Program, which you would think is just a generic maintenance program, but it's an acronym derived from the Joint Commission that's specific to life safety, maintenance, and upkeep. And so going to Texas Children's and joining the BMP program, uh, I started to learn the whole gamut of life safety. I was introduced to the Joint Commission. And before that, I was, you know, my specialty was fire alarm. I come in and now it's not just fire alarm. They start talking about fire doors, fire walls, you know, exit signs. And uh, one of the things that allowed me to, to kind of grow there was that they tasked me with doing the training. You're familiar with the training. And oftentimes, you know, when you're, when you're tasked with the training, you kind of got to train yourself before you train anybody. So you're tasked with researching and finding out, you know, the whys behind everything and where the codes are at. And you start to understand it better as, as, as a matter of being tasked with being the trainer. And so starting at my healthcare career there at Texas Children's, I, uh, I, as again, I, t- I was my plan. Actually, I joined Texas Children's just so I could start my own fire alarm business. Mind you, it was a part time business that I was going to try to grow full time. What I didn't realize is that it, at getting exposed to the whole gamut of life safety, I took an a, a interest into it and I really developed a passion for life safety. And, you know, being that it was a big component of a, of a survey, a triannual survey, whether that's DNV, Joint Commission, HFAP, um, it allowed me to expand my, my, my knowledge base in fire protection and life safety. So then I, I had to learn about fire doors because I was tasked with being the trainer on it. I had to learn about fire barriers and what UL systems or systems are. And uh, learning that, you know, the whole gamut of it. So kind of in a, in a to make a long story short, that's how I got involved in the, in the fire protection industry. It was primarily fire alarm. When I got to healthcare, got to Texas Children's uh, specifically, that's where I was able to grow more and just uh, learn the whole the whole gamut of fire protection and life safety. And so I guess all roads led you to your current position as director of facilities management at a, a pretty big medical center, right? Uh, so tell us a little bit about your day-to-day and how you work to, to keep your facility safe. Well, uh, yeah, every day, never a dull moment, that's for sure. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's, as far as day-to-day operations, I mean, we have a morning huddle. Uh, we, we, we talk about uh, PMs, uh, CMs, kind of managing, managing the day-to-day operations. We also have you know, with the with the whole Zoom meetings now that we have, it's a gift and a curse because you tend to get overbooked and uh, there's just a lot of Zoom meetings that are going on. So uh, half of the day is, is attending meetings. Uh, we got capital projects on the horizon that we're talking about, some, some life cycling projects. It could be elevator modernization, nurse call upgrade. Uh, we're, we're having our fire alarm testing going on right now, our annual. Uh, we're dealing with the aging uh, fire alarm system. And so... Uh, you know, dealing with PICRA, ICRA meetings. Uh, we just had a life safety management uh, plan before this uh, meeting or this, uh, this Zoom uh, interview. So uh, it really just runs a, a, the whole gamut of a facilities director or manager that deals with uh, from A to Z, you know, the day-to-day operations, managing the budget, you know, construction projects. I mean, you name it. So when it comes to fire stopping, I mean, how important is that to have? I mean, you mentioned BMP. We have something we call a barrier management program. So I, I don't know if we stole the acronym or not, but how important is, is that part to, to what you said, all those other components? Uh, yeah, fire stopping is, is, is an important component. You know, it, it's, it used to be one of those uh, items that was kind of neglected in past years. But over the last 10 years, you, you've seen uh, the fire stop industry grow tremendously and the education be there. And the way it works here at our hospital is we have an above ceiling permitting program that we maintain. And so when contractors are getting doing these projects and they're having to pull cable or pull these utilities through these uh, barriers, they get that information to us. We give them the life safety drawings. 
we create an above ceiling permitting uh, permit. And part of that permit entails that we have to do a follow up. And one of the things we have unique on our permitting uh, is that our permit rather is that we have a, a required field to list the UL system that they're going to uh, use in the field. And oftentimes we'll notice that uh, they don't know what that means. And, and when they don't know what that means, then we know that they're not uh, someone who should be penetrating our barriers. And so that then there's an education piece there, right? And we we'll let them know, hey, we, we're standardized. This is what the products that we use. And we, we guide them into that direction to get that proper system. But uh, that's how we uh, fire stop and we utilize our program here is to, to have an above ceiling permit program. And the closeout portion of that is we have to do a follow-up inspection to make sure wherever they breach those barriers that those have been properly sealed. And that's an inspection that you do on your own internally because you're also subject to inspections by, like you said, joint commission or CMS or some version of, of that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, we're, we're accredited by DMV. Uh, they'll come out, you know, as any surveyor from any accredita accreditation organization will do, and they'll look above ceiling and try to find the low-hanging fruit, you know, the unsealed penetrations, cables draped on sprinkler lines, open junction boxes, things of that nature. So that's all actually captured in our above ceiling permitting program. Obviously, barriers is the focus, but we're also looking for, you know, other opportunities like the cables on the sprinkler lines and open junction boxes and things of that nature. So it's very important. We try to host uh, two, two trainings throughout the year with our contractors because, to be quite honest, uh, you know, you can have some internal offenders, but your contractors are your biggest offenders. Uh, when it comes to, you know, breaching barriers and, and fire barriers and whatnot. So uh, we, we maintain a robust program. Like I said, we get some uh, end-user training in place at least twice a year for the contractors. And really what that does is it, it educates them. As if, if they don't know what they don't know, right? It's the old saying. And and my big thing is if, if you're competent, you're going to be confident. You're going to feel confident in what you're doing. So it's providing that education. So Fire stopping is a big part of what we do here to maintain our passive fire protection features. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. And the training and the education piece, obviously, you know, sometimes it's just creating awareness about uh, things that need to be done. And uh, you're doing a great job there. It sounds like you've been uh, you've been there about seven months now. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, and I was here. You were the director of life safety operations at Acme Architectural Hardware. I, 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 I want to interrupt you there because I want to talk about the life safety podcast because, you know, inquiring minds want to know that due to your new role, is there going to be a third season? Yes, there is. <laughs> oh, good. There definitely good. is. Yes. I'm, I'm, I've, I've been waiting to get the machine running up here and get acclimated, uh, but I'm getting ready to, to roll out season three. I've got some exciting guests on the horizon. Hopefully you could be one as well. Uh, I'd be on. And, I'd be yeah. On. So, no, I'm, I'm definitely excited to ramp it back up. And, uh, you know, just like you, the, the podcast is a great thing. There's twofold, right? One, it's a great marketing tool. That There's that part. But it's really uh, disseminating that education, right, and educating folks and bringing in, in, interesting folks in our industry. So uh, thank you for that, too, for, for putting the, the content out there. I think uh, folks will always get the little nuggets off each podcast, and then they run with that, and they take it in if it resonates. So. For sure. Definitely. I remember when your when your show first aired, uh, our director of healthcare, Kelly Mason, was one of your first guests, and I can remember thinking back at the time, who the heck is going to listen to a life safety podcast? And and here I am, three years later, with a life safety podcast. So exactly. first, I want you to know that you were my inspiration for starting, uh, more you. so than even Joe Rogan's hundred million dollar contract. <laughs> uh, and then, what's one piece of advice you'd give me as a podcast host moving forward? Uh, you know, uh, stay consistent. Stay consistent because, you know, it, it, you get the honeymoon stage, you get it rolling. It's good. It's cool. It's going on, you know, and you got it going. You got guests lined up 
And then you, you, you kind of hit a wall sometimes, right? Uh, obviously, I'm in a different arena now that, that doesn't afford me that, that free time that I had to really hone in on that. But, you know, I've got the time to carve out for it, and that's what I'm going to do. But just stay consistent because even in the beginning, you start off, you know, and there's, you know, there's, we're in the world of views, right? How many views did I get? Not that that really matters, but in the beginning, it'll start off slow, but it'll, it'll start ballooning. So, you know, 10 years from now, they'll come back and look at these, you know, first couple seasons that you had. So I would just, my main thing would say is, is stay consistent. All right. Appreciate it. And, you know, like you said about, you know, why we did this to begin with is just to educate uh, the, the market, the industry, and, you know, just finding those interesting people and telling them about our craft. I mean, it's you, you and I met for the first time when you came to Somerville for our Fit Level 2 class. You remember that? I, I, I can't forget because uh, I remember it well because uh, I came out there for the fit training class and then uh, happened to land some tickets for Yankees versus Astros. That's ALCS. right. That's right. That's right. And uh, so it, I was I was glad to have experienced that. And then furthermore, they, that day I was supposed to go to the, the game. It got rained out. But luckily, we were able to reschedule and, and had a had a great experience. So I was able to have business, mixed business with pleasure. So that, that was great. It was a, something I will never forget, actually. That's great. I mean, how important is it for you to stay up to date on different life safety measures and requirements and things like that? I see you have a lot of letters after your name. Uh, CHFM, CFPS, you name yeah. it. You got a lot of letters there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went after all the certifications that, that I could possibly go after that pertain to my, my field. And part of that, uh, I'll be quite honest, is that uh, I'm now working on my formal education so I came from, you know, worked my way up as a maintenance tech, then project manager, then operations manager, then finally as a director. And uh, obviously I have aspirations to move even further up and, and I've got to do my part and get my formal education. That said, for almost nine years, I did attend the University of Texas Children's. You know, not that there is a University of Texas Children's, but that's where I was able to gain all my experience. And one thing it taught me was you got to stay up to date on the code. So I, I'm constantly looking at the newest versions of the NFPA standards albeit I'm in healthcare and we follow the 2012 edition of the life safety code. And we all know that all the standards fall under the umbrella of that sta- that code, but you got to know what's new, what's, what's changing, you know? And so I'm always staying abreast with the latest version uh, of that, you know, that latest edition of that code or standard. And that helps me keep up with, you know, what's the industry uh, changing, how, what's to, to expect, you know, are there some exceptions that, you know, perhaps I can use because a newer standard says, you can do it this way while an older standard says you not you can't. You may have to do a categorical waiver, which is kind of basically like an exception. Uh, but no, it, it's definitely important, especially in my role, to uh, to stay abreast because you always want to stay on top of what's, you know, surveyors always have like a new agenda for that year. One year it's fire stopping. One year it's fire doors. One year it's airflow issues. And they kind of hone in on that. And so just staying on top of that keeps me on my toes. And at the end of the day, uh, keeps our, our environment in a state of readiness. Awesome. So you know what all those letters after your name mean? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. It kind of it kind of reminded me of that uh, that that scene in Goodwill Hunting where uh, she asked him if he knows all his brothers' names or whatever. But no, that's that's fantastic. And obviously, in a position like yours, you you have to stay up to date on the different codes and standards. And I actually came across one of your blog posts that you wrote back in 2016 when the 2012 NFPA 101 uh, took effect. Uh, those are still the standards today, NFPA 99 and uh, the 2012 101. Yeah, so we're currently still on the 2012 edition of the Life Safety Code, and that happened in 2016, and that was a big game changer because it was a lot of code changes that went into effect as a result. And just to kind of give you some more context, the last time 
before 2016 that we had a code adoption, a change of code adoption was in 2003. So you're going from, and this is CMS federal government. It was March of 2003, they adopted the 2000 edition of the life safety code. So then fast forward all the way to 2016, July 5th, that's when they, they then adopted the 2012. So we're always behind the eight ball when it comes, you know, to the, the latest standard. Uh, so based on that trend, you would expect probably for us to, uh, adopt or, or CMS to adopt the latest edition of the life safety code. If I'm just to guesstimate somewhere like 2028, you know, give or take, yeah. it takes, it takes a long time before they, they make these uh, changes. Right. So not really fast forward then kind of slow forward, but, uh, uh, but you wrote at that time that there, there kind of seems to be a conflict between the local building code or the IBC and the NFPA 101. Uh, kind of, can you expand on that a little? I know you said you were going to have another blog post at some point, but we seem to find that all the time. And I, I know that the code says whatever the most restrictive is, but how do you find a balancing act between the two? Well, p- part of that challenge is that uh, accredita- accreditation organizations like DNV, Joint Commission, HFAP, they're, they're prescriptive in following the NFPA Life Safety Code, right? There's that piece. And so everyone knows about the Life Safety Code in healthcare. But all the healthcare institutions locally on a state level are following the IBC to get their state license. So therein lies the issue is you got IBC and life safety code. And then there's some, there's some differences, you know, when it comes to even on fire stopping, uh, you know, you have the requirement uh, and maybe, you know, it's, I think on the IBC, it requires like an annual inspection for, for your barriers. I believe I want to say that, that and, I, and I don't know for a fact either, but I want to say there's a, there's a requirement like a, a finite, you got to do an annual, uh, but that's not in the life safety code. Uh, you know, IBC it requires the special uh, inspector. Special, yeah. I, I don't. That's not in the life safety code. That from what I've seen. So you have these conflicts that arise in there, and and hopefully you know those can be synced up because it does cause issues when it comes to accreditation. When they have those surveys, you'll see where a surveyor uh, cites them for having something non-compliant, but they may have had that approved locally with the local AHJ. You run into that a lot. And again, if, if they were just to sync up, you know, the IBC and NFPA 101, uh, you wouldn't have a lot of these issues uh, that you see out in the field from design versus what you maintain. All right, NFPA and IBC. Ruben is tasking you guys to sync on up so that we can uh, make our building safer there. So um, any other words of wisdom or advice for facilities directors out there to help them keep their building safe in, in light of what you just said, I guess, or anything else that you, you could... Advice? Uh, just in general, I would say um, stay in check with your mental health. And the reason, <laughs> and the reason why I bring that up is, you know, uh, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, to your point, I had left for a little bit. I left healthcare, even though when I was on the contractor side, I was still dealing with nothing but healthcare. Uh, but I could see the burnout, you know, in general. Uh, everyone's being tasked to do a lot more with a lot little. And so, just in general, just. Uh, Keep your mental health in check, you know, and make those conversations normalize, you know, uh, and just just know that uh, there, there will be an end for facility directors. There's never really an end. There's never a dull moment. But, you know, just know that that the, the light is, is you can see I can see the light. So this will all come to an end. Just hang in there and uh, keep doing your best. It's all we can do, Ruben. It's all we can do. But I definitely uh, I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to uh, uh, Season 3 coming out with your podcast. So uh, we'll make sure to put the link to your show in our show notes here. Um, so thanks again, Ruben. All right. Thanks, John. Talk to you soon. 
All right. And a big thank you to everyone else out there in podcast land. We really appreciate the time that you take to listen to our show. We know there's a lot of options out there. So thanks again. And again, be sure to check out those show notes. We'll put the link to uh, Ruben's podcast in there. And maybe he'll actually have me on the show. That'll be cool. We'll, cr- we'll cross promote, as they say. And There you go. All right. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode or our show in general, please show some support. Phone a friend. Tell them about it. Like us on LinkedIn when you see it or leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts from. And to catch the latest and greatest from STI, make sure to check out our website, www.stifirestop.com. And until next time, this is The Burnt.